Good morning. How you doing? Go ahead and give somebody a high five. Give them a hug. Show them some love. Tell somebody you are happy to see them here. Some of us, we don't do high fives, right? I, 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 I get it. All right. My bad. Sorry. You know, just okay. Anyways, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church of the Bridge. It is great to have you all here. I know that there are some uh, joining us online as well, so we're excited that you are joining us. My, how things have evolved. We've got people watching online now, and just God is doing some amazing things. So thank God for that. Amen. All right, so uh, we've been on a series the last several weeks entitled Unstuck. Unstuck. And what we've been doing is we've been looking to the book of Galatians. It's a letter written by this guy named Paul, and he had one central theme in mind. It was the grace of God and how it sets us free. The grace of God and how it sets us free. And so uh, last week we ended off on a high note. We ended off in Galatians chapter 5, and in Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about this fruitful life. Anybody have a fruitful life? I mean, you're producing some good things. Things are changing. Things are happening. How many of you want a fruitful life? Some of you just want lemons. I I got it. Okay, I I get it. That's all right. That's that's your prerogative, right? It's my prerogative. Mm -hmm. All right, back to the text. Um, But today I want to talk to you about going the second mile, going the second mile. I'm going to tell you why we're going to be talking about going the second mile. Because Paul ends off by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God inspires him to write this, not just to the Galatians, but to us. But he ends off on chapter 5, and you would think that he's gone through this whole deal. Look, we learned that God's grace is, is is the very thing that gives us the power to break free in every area of our lives. We learned that from chapter 1. In chapter 2, we saw that it's no longer the life that we live. It's the life of Christ in us. And we learned how to live that. We learned how to dig into that. In in chapter 3, we learned that grace operates by faith. And so it's a faith walk. It's not based upon what we see, but upon what God promises. And so we learned some great things about faith. In chapter 4, we learned that God empowers us and calls us to be sons and daughters, not slaves. Not to be enslaved to our past, to things that draw us away from God. And last week we learned that God's grace causes us to have fruitful lives. But he doesn't end there. If that was all there was to know about grace and freedom, God would not inspire Paul to end there. There's something more. There's something more. There's a second mile. Let me, let me just take from the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 41. Jesus says this. If anyone forces you to go one mile, say this with me. Go with them two miles. How many miles? Two, right? Two miles, right? In other words, don't just stop at the first mile. Go the second mile. And when, and, and when Jesus coined the, the, this phrase, when he made this statement, He was speaking to a people that were under the rule of a people known as Rome. And the Jews hated the Romans. And the Romans hated the Jews. And Jesus wasn't getting at the the physical act of just traveling a mile. These words come out of a Roman law that dictated that if you were a Jew or a subject of the Roman Empire... Any Roman soldier at any given time could come and say to you, you, pick up my gear and carry it for the next mile. And you had to do it by law. And what Jesus says is, hey, if anyone, if anyone you despise, and it's not just people you despise. He's getting at something greater here, but he uses this as an example. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, he says, don't just go one mile, go two with them. And here's the heart of what Jesus is talking about. It's the power of love. And how love pushes us to go two miles. And I'm going to tell you how that relates to what we're going to be talking about today, about going a second mile. Because what you see in chapter 6 is that Paul begins to talk about the application of God's grace. Now, God's grace is simply this. God favors you. 
God loves you without measure. The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. No height, no depth, no width, no length. The Bible says that God has declared you righteous, that you are holy, that you are above reproach. The scriptures declare that he's removed sin as far as the east is from the west from you. He does not call you sinner. He calls you saint. He calls you child of God. He calls you chosen. He calls you holy. And so, listen, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom in that. But watch this. In chapter 6, he begins to talk about the application of God's grace. And the number one mark of God's grace operating in our lives is through the exercise of love. It's through the exercise of love. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 10. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified version because I just love the way it amplifies it. I just like the way it amplifies it. Right? But starting at verse 1, and if you don't have your Bibles, you don't want to use your phone, that's fine. You can follow us on the screen. But watch what he says. Brothers, my brother. That doesn't mean male. That's, That's alluding to the body. Brethren. And so it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit. You are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. Now, I just want to stop right here for a moment and deviate from my notes for one purpose. Paul has gone through a series of revelations He's given them some things to really chew on about God's grace. These people were stuck. And what Paul literally is giving them from chapter 1 to chapter 5 is a roadmap to getting unstuck in life. To getting unstuck from a dependence on anything that we rely on to be right with God apart from Jesus. That makes sense? And so these people were putting confidence in religion. These people were putting confidence in their observance of of, of. Uh, holy days. These people were putting confidence in the sacrifices that they made for God. Some of these people were even going so far as to going to get circumcised and doing all these things because it's what the religious Jews of the day who were following Christ were doing. Only problem was their dependence was on the religion and not on the God of the religion. That makes sense? And so Paul here is writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, look, now that you've got this whole deal of grace, he says, if any among you is caught in something sinful, watch what he says. He says, you who are spiritual, he says, you restore him. You restore him with a spirit of gentleness. I saw a quote, and I know I'm going to jack this up, so don't judge me for it, right? But I saw a quote recently, I forget how it goes, but it goes something to the tune of, don't, don't ever judge anybody um, who's down, only God is that high. Something, to, something like that. My point with that is this, the scriptures reveal that not even God is condemning the world. And so who are we to condemn anyone? And here's the point that I'm trying to make with this, that we can get so high on God's goodness. We can get so excited on God's favor. We can be so blessed, and you are. We are. But we could do it at the expense that we don't exercise love. If it wasn't important for us to think about this, God would have never put it on Paul's heart to write it to us. And so listen closely to what he goes on to say. He says, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Watch this. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is, the law of Christian love. For if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he's nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work examining his actions, his attitudes and behavior, and then, uh, and then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. 
For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings for which he alone is responsible. The one who is taught the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. This is simply saying this. Don't fool yourself. This process works. What process? This one. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, in other words, to his own desires, his own, his own will, his own uh, 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 leading apart from God. So he says, for whoever sows to his own flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give in. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. And especially being a blessing to those of the household of faith, born again believers. So there's a lot to be said here. And I'm going to make an attempt in my own feeble understanding of what God is saying to us here. I'm not giving you my opinion. I just strictly want to allude to the scripture. But as Paul comes to a close on this issue of freedom and grace, He turns our attention from an inward experience with God's grace to the outward expression and exercise of grace. Listen, it's a call to live in love. Live in love. Now, here's what some of you are hearing when I say that. Oh, I'm in love. I know exactly what he's talking about. Some of you are looking at somebody and going, Right? You're doing that. You're texting somebody right now, right? Sending some emojis or whatever it is you're doing. But it's bigger than that. It's more than that. I want you to notice, if you'll recall, and if we can put it up in uh, verse 2, if we could just put verse 2 up. Watch what Paul says. He He says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. Watch this. It's a law. In other words, it creates parameters by which we are to proceed. It gives us the context for life, for relationships. He calls it the law of Christ. It's the greatest law. And then the amplified version amplifies this by clarifying for us and saying it's the law of Christian love. It's love. It's not just any love. It's Christ-like love. It's Christ in love. The operative word there is Christ. And so thus, what we see is that he says, restore the person who's fallen in sin. Carry one another's burdens. Share all the good that God has brought into your life by sowing it into the body, into the people, into the ministry, and reap from it. He says, do good to all people and care for those especially in the family of faith. How many of you can say amen to that? Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would agree that that's easier said than done? Listen, I'll be the first one to tell you. There are many times that I will interact with people, and it's, it, you know, please 
accept my apology ahead of time. Extend some grace to a brother, right? Because we may not be born of the same mother, but if you are a child of God, we're born of the same father. So you got to love me anyway. But listen, there are times when I, Pastor Jose, will drop the ball. There are times when I'm like, man, I love you. And you know what? Honestly, I barely know you. And I know that that might even sound hypocritical. And I'm not, look, I'm not being hypocritical here. What I'm saying is that this whole thing of Christian love takes work. It takes, in, it takes being intentional. It takes going beyond just the, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. It goes beyond just, yeah, you know, you're blessed and highly favored. It goes beyond just sharing a moment. It's life together. It's life together. It's a call to live in the exercise of love. It's not just simply saying, I love you. Right? So it's easier said than done. Look, recently, um, my wife has been working me. You got projects to do. You got to finish this. You got to finish. I got a honey to do list. But ain't nothing sweet about it. It's work. It's work. And so I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm just being, and I love you, baby, but, you know, I got to tell the truth because the truth sets you free. Amen. But listen, so I've got this laundry list of things that I got to do, and I've been working on them and, I, you know, knocking them out. But it's like lately, it's like one thing after another, little things that just happen, and I'm like, what is going on? So one of the most recent ones was the water heater. And I'm like, what is going on with this thing? Man, I got on the phone and called a buddy of mine. Matter of fact, he's here, Juan. I called him and said, Juan, this was going on. He says, it might be the thermocouple. So you know what I did? I went and bought the thermocouple and switched it out. Then I went on YouTube because, you know, YouTube will show you everything, right? I went on YouTube and I started watching these videos. And I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I need to change this line that feeds gas into it. And then I just got to the point where it wasn't working. I was like, you know what? That's it. I jimmied it. I saw a video where you disconnect the two wires and you plug them together and it bypasses that part and it gives you a flame and it worked for two days and then it went out again. So I went back to YouTube and I went to Google and I started looking at all these chat forums and I said, you know what? I am going to find the whole part and I'm just going to change the whole bottom, the whole inside of it. I found the website, did it, ordered it. Then a couple of days later, and, you know, my wife, she, she, she does one of these to me. She got real spiritual on me. I was frustrated out of my mind. And she goes, did you pray about it? Anyway. So, what happened was... <laughs> No, listen, I get to, I was just, I was just frustrated with this thing. And I'm, I, I, uh, I just, I said, you know, I need to just, just take a step back from this. I had no peace with it. Um, took a step back and, and I just, I, I talked to the Lord that night and morning I woke up. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'm, I'm out of my deck drinking a cup of coffee, got the dogs out. Um, just, you know, starting my day. And I have this thought, I don't know what, go, go back to YouTube, go back to YouTube. And I was like, man, I did that already. So I typed the same exact thing. And the reason I know it was the same exact thing is because once you st- started typing it, the rest pops up. So I, s- I clicked on it, and this video comes up that wasn't there before. And it's this guy, and it's from a few years ago. And it's this guy, and he starts talking about cleaning the filter. I'm like, filter? Is a filter there? And so I'm, I watched, it was like a 13-minute video. I watched, he, he, he's in the car driving to do the service call. So I'm listening to this guy the whole time. He gets there. He says, I guarantee it's the, it's the filter. So he gets there. He opens it up. He takes the whole thing apart. He pulls it out. And there's like some ash on top of the plate. And then he says, he shines his light. He shows you all this stuff. And he hoses it out and all that. He, you know, he sucks it up. So I went and got, I said, I got one of those. I went and got my shop vac, hosed it all out, went under, wiped it down. Put everything back together. It was working. Why do I take you through all that? Not because I want to teach you about airflow, although it is helpful. It saved me hundreds of dollars, by the way. But I'll tell you why I share that with you. 
Because oftentimes we try to figure out this whole deal of God's grace and faith. And what we fail to realize is that we have all the parts, and it's a flow of the exercise of love that we forget. And what we do is we hinder the flame of what God has started in our lives simply by bypassing this one simple thing, love. Love. See, without it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now look, I get it. God's grace, God's favor. You, you, you've heard it. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is true. That is absolutely true. I am blessed. Yes, you are. That is absolutely true. That is scriptural. Look, I'm, I'm that guy, and if you don't know it, now you know it. I'm that guy that believes what the word says, that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe that we can speak in heavenly languages, and we do. And we practice that. We work out our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. I believe that. I believe that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit in our mouths. And as we speak it, that mountains, problems, situations change. I believe that when I pray, God hears me and that heaven backs me and it answers. I believe that God's grace is for me. It's before me. It's behind me. It's around me. I believe in all that. But, you know, we can get so excited about that. And we can miss this exercise, this muscle of love being developed. Let me tell you what Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says. Watch this. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Wait, what? You mean there's basics? You mean there's like simple stuff like the the ABCs, 1, 2, 3s? He says... Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Watch this. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. In other words, putting this heavy emphasis on sin, sin, sin. He says, and of faith in God. Wait, faith in God is elementary? Watch this. And instruction about cleansing rites. And the laying on of hands, listen to this, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Listen to what God declares is elementary. Elementary. And he says, and now that we understand all those things and we believe those things and we're excited about all those things, he says, let's move on to maturity. Whoa. Whoa, wait, what? Listen, there's more to this than what you get and what you can do with your faith. There's more to this. It's about love in operation. You know what the pinnacle of faith is? Love. You know what the pinnacle is of faith at work? It's love. It's love. It's God's love in you. Let me show you something from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Some of you are very familiar with this. I pray that all of us hear this with a new set of ears if you've heard this before. And if you haven't, consider what the scriptures are saying. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy... Listen, I can speak the oracles of God, is what he's saying. And I can fathom all mysteries. I have discernment into the deep things of God. And I have all knowledge. He says, and if I have a, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. He says, I'm nothing. He says, and if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my own body, my own body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know what the scripture is saying here? It's saying you could do all these great spiritual things. You can exercise all this faith. You can move mountains. And in the midst of it, love can be missing. Whoa. Whoa. See, without love and operation, there is no gain from God's grace. There is no freedom to be had. It's a lie. 
if we think that all we can do is receive and accept and just it's just God's grace on my life, God's grace, and that is true, but not exercise this muscle of love. You got to work it out. You got to develop that. And so when you live in love, your motives are pure. They're not corrupted. They're, they're genuine. You're going after the person, not the experience. Let me give you an example of that. When I met my wife, Pastor Annette. Right? We got to talking and, you know, we, we, we would talk over the phone while we were working, right? And, and we would talk and, and there was just something really special about this, still is. And uh, our first, well, not really our first date, but it was like a pre-date, you know, it's like getting to know you kind of deal and kind of feeling each other out. And she, 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 we're on the phone and she says, let's go out to lunch, And in my mind, I'm going, how much is this going to cost me? How much I got in my account? And then the heavens opened up. She says, my treat. And I said, but you're all the way down in 15th Street on the east side. I'm on 33rd, 34th and 8th on the west side. It's going to take you about 20 minutes to get here. You only got an option. She goes, don't worry about that. I got that all worked out. She says, I'll come to you. Check. Okay, I like that, right? And so uh, she comes and we meet at TGIF and it takes about an hour for us to get our lunch. But who, who cared, you know? I was feasting just watching her, right? And, and, uh, but I knew there was something about her, right? I knew this is, she's the one for me. I knew it. I just knew it. And so anyway, uh, it was real cool. And, you know, I, I was like, you know, there might, I think there's something here. I, I really need to, like, re- reconsider this and really get to know her. Um, and I could tell you now that I didn't realize it then, but it was love at work in my heart. I was falling for this girl fast. And um, so our first official date comes. And she says, let me cook for you. Listen, this is how you know she's a keeper, right? And me, I wanted to be Rico Suave, so I was like, I tell you what, I'll come over, but I'll cook for you, right? Right? So she was like, okay, all right, no problem. So we made this, there's a whole other story to this. She set me up, her mom showed up, and all that other stuff. That's a whole other story. But anyway, anyway, long story short. I wanted so much to get to know this girl, to, 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 to express love to her. I said, you know, I'll, I'll stop, pick up some stuff at the supermarket and all that. I went to the supermarket. True story. I had $90 in my account. That's all I had. I was broke. <laughs> I was broke. I had $90 in my account, and I went to the supermarket. And the reason why I know I had $90 is because I was only supposed to buy some chicken and some few minor items to cook. I bought her $90 worth of groceries. I showed up with $90. Man, I lived off of my Metro card for the next two weeks after that. Right? It was just get to work and get back and ramen noodle soup and peanut butter and jelly. But that one night I ate good. Why do I share that with you? Look, I wish I could say all these years later that it remained that way all the time. It didn't. It hasn't. But every time that we got to a rocky place, we always found our way back. Let me tell you why. Because the one thing that works is God's love. It is God's love. That's the kind of love we want in operation and relationships and everything. And so I say all that simply to bring you to this point. That there is a call to love. And the Bible records in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30, an encounter between Jesus and this guy. And this guy is really looking for what it's going to take. And so Matthew 19, verse 16 says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do 
to get eternal life. Now, let me show you this guy's heart. In the book of Luke, it recounts the same encounter. And it says that when he comes to Jesus, he falls to his knees. So this guy is really seeking something. He says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What do I need to bring this all together to make it work? He says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. So he's pointing him to the one thing that he knows. And he asks Jesus, which ones? And so Jesus replies, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother. And then he goes on and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. This young man replies, all these I've kept. And then he says this, what do I still lack? What is it that I'm still missing because this ain't working? I've done all that. I've tried that. And Jesus responds, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now listen to how this turns out. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Verse 23 says, then Jesus turned and he says to the disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to just stop right there. I don't want to read the rest. I'll I'll, kind of dig into it a little bit. I'll allude to it in a second. But I want you to see something that this man wasn't unlike us. He was seeking something from God. Hey, everyone's here with their own story, but to some extent, the fact that you're here says there's something I'm seeking from God. So we're not, we're not uh, dissimilar from this guy. We're very much like him. He's seeking something, and he comes to Jesus. Luke tells us that he falls at his knee, on his knees before Jesus, and he's intent on seeking uh, the kingdom from Jesus. He's intent on seeking something more than what he knows. He wants to go beyond steps one, two, and three. He wanted to pursue life on a higher level. And so he asked Jesus, how do I do this? And I want you to notice in verses 18 and 19, if we could put those up, what Jesus says. I'm going to read it to you again. Jesus says to him, hey, just follow the commandments. And he says, which ones? And the Bible says that Jesus replies, he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Verse uh, 19, please. And he says, honor your father and your mother. Right? So let's stop right there. Jesus just alluded to some of the Ten Commandments, the the building blocks of the law, of what the Jews of his day knew to be the one thing that they believed would make them right with God, but it didn't work. And the reason why we know it didn't work is because this guy followed them all, and he comes to Jesus, he goes, I'm still lacking something. And so I want you to notice something, that Jesus goes through this laundry list that he pulls from the, the Ten Commandments. And then he adds one that isn't there. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love. He says, love. Listen, the law was about making yourself right with God by your obedience to it. But love, this love of God is about living life beyond ourselves. It's going beyond yourself. This young man believed he had it all down pat. I did all those, Jesus. I'm good with those. But something was still missing. And so he says, what do I lack? What is this thing that I still lack? And listen, while it's possible, and we see it from the example that we have in this young man's uh, life, what we're reading, he did have an extent of love for God. He had an extent of love for people. I mean, it takes some sort of love not to steal from someone, right? So he had some understanding of it, but it was watered down. It wasn't sufficient. It wasn't enough. And as a result, when he reaches the end of his first mile, he's at the feet of Jesus. Don't steal. Check. Did that. I'm a little bit closer. Don't commit adultery. Check. I did that. Honor your mother and your father. Check. I did that. Man, I did all those, Jesus. I'm here. Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says to him, so now that you get that, and now you understand that it's love that I'm calling you to, 
a life lived in love. He says, now go, let go of the very thing that you love most above God. He says, let go of your money. Go sell it, sell all your possessions, and go. Now come and follow me. And the Bible tells us that this guy is destroyed at that point. He's saddened. He's wrecked. And it says that he walks away saddened. Now, I know that the scriptures say that it was because he had much wealth. But I I believe that the way it really reads if we examine this encounter is that much wealth had him. There was something that he loved above God that so possessed him and so gripped his life that he's at the feet of God himself in the form of a man. And he says, I can't do that. I can't go that next mile. And so he walks away. And so if you'll recall in verses 23 and 24, it it tells us, if we could put that up, it tells us that the disciples are astonished. And they say, well, then, who, who, who can do this? And it wasn't about money. It was about giving up what you love most for a love for Jesus. And so the disciples turn to him and goes, man, but I love my kids. I, I love my job. I love this. And it doesn't say verbatim. That's what they said. But they, they question and say, who can do this? Because every one of us loves something. How many of you love your kids? About four of you. Whoa. I'm going to ask that question one more time just to make sure I'm in, a right, in the right church. How many of you love your kids? Wait a minute. Okay, okay. You love your kids. Good, good, good. Listen, nothing wrong with loving your kids. Absolutely appropriate. But I want you to see something in verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about someone who has great wealth. He's talking about someone who's stored up all their love in this one area that's above God. And so in verse 24, he goes on to say this. If we could put that up, please. It says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, you can't be rich in love for something other than God and expect the true riches and the true benefits of God's grace and his love in our lives. We, we can't expect that. And so the second mile requires loving what God loves more than what you love. It requires loving what God holds most valuable more than what we hold most valuable. This guy was on the cusp of life 2.0, man. They could have made a movie about this guy's life. Lived a fabulous life, and then he finds himself at the feet of Jesus, and he discovers greatness, and he, he, you see life on a whole nother level. MTV got nothing on this sitcom. None of that, right? But instead, what we see is that this guy, while he was primed for growth, he gave it all up. He was unwilling to give up what he loved most. In his case, it was his money. It was his possessions. Now, look, maybe money isn't your kryptonite. Maybe it's not that. But I got to ask you a question. What might be? I'm not implying that you're struggling with something. Look, I don't know your story, and I'm not judging your walk. But you got to understand that the reason why the Holy Spirit saw fit to give us this story and these examples through the life of the Galatians and the writings of Paul is because we all have the capacity to love something more than God. If we didn't, the scriptures would have omitted the book of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs where it talks about how we have to guard our heart above all things. You got to keep that door safe, allowing something else to seize upon that to the extent that you forego God. And so look, your kryptonite might not be money. It could be 
your vast knowledge of a God. It could be your exercise of religion. It could be your drive to accumulate those things that give you a false sense of security. It could be your need to be surrounded by people that give you some sort of sense of importance. It could be your accomplishments. It could be your trophies. It could be the accolades. It could be uh, what you own, whatever it is. The thing about it is this, that we all have potential pitfall areas in our lives if we're not careful, which makes it almost feel impossible to live up in this area of following Jesus and loving Jesus above everything. But we can, and here's why. Verse 26, Jesus' response to them is this. He looked at them and he said, hey, I get it. With men, this is impossible. But he says, with God. That word with is important because watch what it's talking about. It's talking about in relationship with me, all things are possible with God. Listen, you and I can't do this on our own. We can't exercise this kind of love on our own. We can't love God the way we're called to on our own. You can't do it. We can't. Because we easily buy into what we see and what pulls at our... Every day, have you thought about this? There are so many things pulling at your heart. For your affection, for your devotion, for your worship. For some of us, it might be social media, man. For some of us, it might be you, 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 you live and thrive. You're up or down based upon how many people like or how many people comment or how many people respect or how many people follow you. For some of us, it's, you know, how many people are around us. For, for some of us, it's if our kids behave and if they act right and if they say, I love you, mommy. And if they don't say, I love you, oh, my God, my, my day is just ruined. For some of us, it's, it, it's a paycheck, whatever it is. But listen, none of those things compare to the love of God. None of those things compare to loving God. And so in verse 29, Jesus proves to us that by loving him, there's something better. Watch what he says in verse 29. He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. You know what Jesus is saying? Christianity is not a call to divorce your wife to follow Jesus. It's not a call to abandon your kids and stop paying child support to follow Jesus. That's not what this is talking about. What it is, it's, it's a call to love God more than these specific areas which we all value greatly. Some of us, we, we say this, my kids are my world. And I want you to measure the weight of those words. For some of us, we value friendships. We value a social life. Nothing wrong with those things, but we value it to the extent that we forego even wanting to know God. Man, And Jesus says, listen, if you give up your love for those things, it's not that you give up on them. It doesn't mean that you stop loving in those areas, but you love God more than anything. He says, I'll return to you that which you have put second best. I'll return it to you a hundred times over, he says. Hey, let me me give you a recipe for success. You want to see... Peace in your home, love God more than your husband. You want to see a healthy environment for your kids? You want to give them the best? Love God more than them. You want to see your career thrive? Love God more than your career. You want to see healthy, good relationships, good friendships, the type of people that are wise counsel, love God more than loving those people and watch God surround you. And encapsulate you with his very best a hundred times over. So what can we learn from this as we wrap up here? What can we learn from this? I'll be quick on this because I'm out of time. Look, this young man started off right. He was seeking the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, what we see from this story, from this encounter, is that his purpose, his true purpose in this was for his own benefit. 
He was seeking the kingdom for his own benefit. And I'll tell you why I share that with you, because if you're going to go the second mile, you have to understand that it begins with the first and most important thing. It's a love for God. See, what we do first is indicative of what we value most. So here's a question to ponder for us, reflectively. Don't shout anyone out. Are your motives for seeking God about your love for Him? Or are your motives for seeking God your love for yourself? Is it I'm seeking God so I can get this? So that I can... So that God can hear my prayers or hear the pastor's prayers or hear somebody's prayers and my marriage can turn around. Listen, my wife said something very interesting when she was talking, you know, she was giving us some scripture on offering. And she said, you know, that we, somehow she put it to the, she said something to the effect of we seek provision at the expense of the provider. And listen, it is God's will that you walk in blessing. It is God's will that you prosper and be in health. It is God's will that you increase financially. It is God's will that you have peace. It is God's will that you excel. The scriptures say that you're the head and not the tail, above only. So it's God's will that you rise to the top, baby. But listen, it's not God's will that you seek him for that. It's God's will that you love him and seek him for who he is. He's all you need. Revelations 2, 4 through 5 puts it this way. It says, now this is Jesus penning a letter to this group of people in Ephesus. They were a great church. They excelled in good works. They were known for their faith. They were known for the great workings of God amongst them. And watch what Jesus says to them. Yet I hold this thing against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That word forsaken there means you've forgotten. You've put it aside. He says, consider how far you have fallen. He says, repent, turn around, and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, if you do not turn around, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Listen, the Ephesians got real busy doing good things in the name of God. But they missed a good God in the process. And so, I share that with you because the point here is this. Get back to the first and most important thing. Growing in the love for Christ. Not for yourself. Makes sense. So see, to go the second mile, we must understand that love is the path of God's kingdom. I want to go back to, actually, you know what? Let's just go to 1 Peter 4, 8 for the sake of time. And I want to remind you that Jesus says to this young man, he says, hey, you've done all those things, right? Okay, you want to be perfect, Jesus says. If you want to be perfect, he goes on to say, give up that very thing that you love most, give it all to the poor, and then follow me, right? And so basically what this guy says to Jesus, Jesus, just tell me how to do this. And so you want to be perfect. You think you have it all together, but you realize you don't. And Jesus says, follow me and start by taking the first step on the journey by letting go of that which you love. So you can love me. First Peter 4, 8 puts it this way. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly without ceasing. How often should love be in operation? Always, without ceasing. Watch this. Since love covers a multitude of sins. So I want you to see the power of love. Love is the solution to sin. And watch what the scripture says. Hey, keep doing this one thing above everything else. Earnestly do this one thing, love, love, love. Listen, the one thing that trips us all up, sin, the one thing that has the power to destroy all that God has for us in life if we allow ourselves to follow in that direction, the one thing that has power 
to destroy us is overcome by this one thing, the exercise of love. The exercise of love. So if you want to grow in the grace of God, if you want to walk in healing, if you want to experience freedom, if you want to see resolution in your home, if you want to bring solutions to your community, giving a helping hand to a person struggling, love is the answer. God's love exercised. Exercised. The last thing I want to leave you with is this. That to go to the second mile, we got to remember that love isn't easy. Come on, you're talking about loving without ceasing? It's not easy. But I will tell you this, it's worth it. Last week, I had the opportunity to converse with a gentleman, and I won't share his name for the sake of respecting his anonymity. Um, but I had a chance to get some insight into his life. And you know, I'm seeing this guy, man, and he's a cool cat, man. He's like, that's like the kind of guy I want to be when I get to where he's at, right? In every way. He's mellow, but he loves God. And he started coming here, and, you know, he's, he's, he's an amazing person inside and out. And then he started to share with me how a couple of years back, for many years he worked for the city of New York in sanitation. And uh, he was there for about 28 years. And on year 28, on a regular day, just like any of us, we go to work. And we're just expecting to do what we do and have a productive day and keep going on. He goes to work and he worked at this particular location where they housed very large parts to the vehicles that they operate. And some of the parts they have there are these huge tires. They're thousands of pounds. And so uh, they're so heavy that when you have to uh, move them from one area to another, if you just take a forklift, you know, just as is, and try to slip it under, it won't slide under because they're so heavy. So they, they apply some sort of oil or some sort of grease or something so that it could slip under the tires and lift them up. And so on this particular day, he's at work, and while he's at work, um, he's doing something, and one of his coworkers has taken a forklift and lifted up about 3,000 pounds worth of these tires, and he raises them up on the forklift, and he's driving the forklift. Now, their policy, from what I gathered from my conversation with him, is that when you're operating a forklift and you're in the vicinity of someone else, the policy is that the, the, the procedure is that you're supposed to lower the forklift down with whatever's on it. And so his coworker, for whatever reason, that, that wasn't what he did. And so as he's driving towards this, this gentleman, he realizes there's someone there, and he slams on the brakes. And the tires, 3,000 pounds worth, slide off the forklifts and crush him. He says, everything went black for me. I don't remember anything. And he says, when I came to, the one thing that I remember is they were saying, is he dead? Is he dead? He's dead. Listen, these guys, his co-workers are writing his obituary. And he comes to, and the best that he could, he, he, he murmurs to them. He says, guys, get these off of me. And they begin to pull these tires off of him. And he says, as soon as the tires came off, I just felt all this pain. It was excruciating pain. He says that he couldn't move from the neck down. And so they rush him to the hospital and two years of surgeries and therapies and the prognosis was this guy will never walk again. It's going to be a vegetable. It's done. But what I found interesting that so impacted me about this gentleman's story is that he says throughout the whole time, I kept telling myself, God, you still got me here. And because you have me here, there's still something more for me. And he shared with me how he was remembering the time where his coworker, the one who was driving the forklift, calls him while he's in the hospital and says, bro, you know, that was an accident. You know I didn't do it on purpose. You, you, you know I didn't mean that. He says, we're good, man. Don't worry about it. I, I hold no grudges against you. And then after two years of all this stuff, He's finally at a point where he can stand and he's walking. 
And he goes to his employee. He shows up to work and they say, no, you need to go to this office because we just want to thank you for 28 years of service and there's the door. And what I love about this guy's story isn't so much the trauma, but it's what brought him through. Man, a belief in God to the extent that you could forgive like that. Man, there is not an ounce of resentment. There's not a grudge. There's not an a, a, a inkling of anger or hurt. It's like, man, I'm good. And he's standing strong and he's growing in faith and he's exercising his muscle of faith and he's believing God for so much more and great things are happening in his life. And the thing is that he's sitting right here amongst you and you would never know it. I share that with you because love isn't easy, man. But it's worth it because it'll bring us to the second mile in every area of our lives. Amen. Let's stand today. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Hey, I'm warning you, by the way, that I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger. Because next week, we start a brand new series. We start a brand new series called This Is Us. And we're going to be clarifying some things about what it means to be us, the church. And we're going to start off with the very first and most important thing, that we love God. We're going to be really digging into what that means and what that looks like in the body and what that looks like here at Church at the Bridge. So don't miss next Sunday. But back to the point at hand. Love. It's the one thing that gives us a gain, a profit. And Father, today in the hearing of your word, I believe and know that faith is at work because faith comes by the hearing of your word. Listen, I'm one that I believe you're not here by coincidence. Maybe there's something you've been holding on to. Maybe you've been trying to figure out this whole deal called life, this journey of life on your own, and you keep coming up short. And my prayer and my hope is that today you see this one simple truth, that it is God's will that you excel in every area, but you can't do it without his love operating through your heart. I dare say this to someone here today, whoever you are, it's time to forgive. I dare say to someone else, it's time to stop putting confidence in what you know about God and start knowing God. It's time to believe again to grow more and more, to go beyond what you've been taught and what you've been told and to experience this next level, this next mile where you're going to grow and mature and see the blessing of God in greater measure at work through your life. You're going you're gonna to grow in faith. You're going to grow in an experience of love. You're going to grow in every area of your life, but it starts, it continues, it consists in this love of God. I know that there's some people watching us online or maybe you're here today and Jesus is something that you've heard of, but today it's real to you. Hey, if you believe that God loves you and that he wants his love to operate in through your life, you're primed and ready to accept and receive the most important thing you've ever had in your life. You're about to replace that which you loved for love for God. I want to encourage you to join us in this simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It acknowledges that what God has done is sufficient for you and me. That it's not dependent on what we do, but on his sacrifice. Pray this with us. Let's pray this together with confidence. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe that you died and you rose again. And I believe that you paid the price for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I declare that you're my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you. I'm seeking you first. And I'm following you for the rest of my life. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate Jesus in your life. Don't leave here without sharing your decision. We want to walk alongside you. And for the rest of us, we thank God for his love. We thank God that we can exercise it. And Lord, 
We're pushing forward to the second mile and believing for all that you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday.